Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church as we continue on in a series we're doing called Staying Present in the Presence. This series is uh, all about just what the title says, or at least that's what we're trying to do. It's about staying present in the presence of God throughout our days. We spent almost all of this year talking about making a connection with God in a series that we did called Developing a Disciple's Heart. And um, now my hope is, by looking at the model that Jesus gives us in his life, is that we can learn some ideas to help us stay connected uh, throughout the day in the midst of very real situations that we face, all of us in life. And, uh, and so we're looking at how Jesus did it. We're using the Gospel of Luke really as the foundation for this series um, because uh, Luke is, uh, portrays the humanity of Jesus very well. Jesus was fully God and fully man. Uh, but in Luke's Gospel, he, he often points out the humanity of Jesus. And in that, we see Jesus withdrawing by himself to, to places to get alone to pray. And, and that's a very significant thing. So we're, we're watching him in encounters with people and situations to see what we can learn from the process. However, I say that, as we were moving through the book of Luke rather well together, we got to the sixth chapter and we, we ended up in a study uh, there. We started reading about the Beatitudes and it seemed to me that the Beatitudes were really important in staying present in the presence of God and that there's a better description of the Beatitudes in Matthew's account, so we've popped into Matthew for a little while. Don't worry, I, I know where I, I have a comment in Luke 6. I'm heading back um, very soon. And... Uh, and we'll pick that up there. Although we're going to do this and then it kind of leads us into Christmas. We'll talk about Christmas for a couple of weeks because it's right on us. And then we'll, we'll be back in Luke chapter 6 together. But right now we're looking at the Beatitudes in Matthew 5. And uh, we, we've started with Matthew 5, 3. We talked about the attitude of humility. We ju- jumped into uh, verse 4 and we talked about the attitude of ra- reality. Verse 5 was about gentleness. Verse 6 was about living by doing the next right thing. Uh, verse 7 was love in action, mercy. Last week we were in verse 8. We called that the attitude of integrity. And this week we're going to look at Matthew 5, 9 together and we're going to call that the attitude of peace. The attitude of peace. Before we do, though, a couple of things. Uh, this morning, you know, it was one of those days I started out the day. It was really weird I, by sitting, out, uh, sitting on a sandwich. And that was really weird. And then I got into the middle of the day and I sat on a panini. Go figure. And then tonight, it was really weird. All of a sudden, I, I sat on something thof, soft and I, I realized I was on a roll. Sorry. <laughs> so I was either going to tell you that or this story. I think I'll tell you this story too. Um, we were we were in the we went to Miami Monday with uh, my daughter Sarah and her husband Paul and our, our two grandkids um, Sam and Avery. They're three and one and they're great kids. And so the idea was we would go up, um, we followed them up, and that they were going to do some Christmas shopping and we would watch the kids. So it was cool, you know, and, and uh, uh, you know, it's Christmas time and everything, high hope. So anyway, we, um, we're in Kohl's, and, uh, which is this department store up there somewhere. It's in Florida City or Homestead or one of those places. And it's a big store, and we're walking around. And I have Sam in this cart. 
that I'm pushing, and these carts are uh, they're, they're interesting. They have sort of an area where you can put stuff that you're shopping in in the back, and then the child is up front. And so Sam's up there, and he's strapped in. And uh, I'm, uh, we're following Alice to go do something um, to see. I think we were trying to meet up with Sarah or something. And I'm, so I'm pushing Sam, and Alice is up there in front of me. And all of a sudden, Sam sees these big Mr. Potato Heads. And he's a big fan of Toy Story and, and, and Potato Heads, all right? And, and so he sees this big potato head. And, and he, <laughs> it's funny to watch. And I'm just, I'm just driving by it. And there's a whole stack of them, okay? And, and all of a sudden I hear this from Sam. I hear, Tato Head, help me! <laughs> Granddad, help me! Help me! Nina, help me! And he's pulling at his buckles. Help me, Tato Head! And I've already gone by it, you know what I mean? And he's, he's like trying to throw himself out of the... Help me! Help, help me! I'm like, okay, but it's Tato Head, help me! I said, I said, okay. So we had to, we had to, we were just heading somewhere. We did that real quick. I said, come on, come on, come on. And he's, now he's turned around and he's pointing back like I'd forgotten where it is. Help me! And he's doing this thing. And I, I wheel him back and, and, and there's the Tato Heads there. And I'm like, the kid's getting a Tato Head. I don't care. I didn't know what they cost or anything. But at this point, boom again. And he just, (sighs) now, it was, it was like 30 bucks, but it, it didn't matter at that point. It really didn't. I mean, you know, short of being a new Lamborghini or something, it, it was like, and I thought to myself, you know that prayer I teach you guys all the time? Help. That's why it's so powerful. Because I'd have done virtually anything at that moment for my grandson. Virtually, there was no limits at that moment. Help me, Granny, help me! I just thought I'd share that. And tie that in as a visual to my prayers. Scripture reading, Luke 2, 8 through 14. As I told you last week, uh, this is uh, the Advent season. We're in the second weekend of Advent. And uh, the Advent is about the coming of Jesus and what that means and how important that is to us and, and how it's supposed to begin to make us think about how cool it is that God came the way He did. And, pardon me. Sorry, that was a stifled sneeze. And uh, just the how, how amazing it is and that we need to be looking for the kingdom of God breaking through all the time. Anyway, Luke uh, chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. And blessed be the word of the Lord. I'm going to talk about the peace uh, of, of God in this sense. Uh, on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. It ties in well with our beatitude. Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Remember I've told you that the beatitudes are kind of building on one another. Humility, reality, gentleness, um, living by doing the next right thing, mercy, integrity. And now those things 
changing us and changing our perspective and changing the way we see God, um, we can move into sort of this idea now of mission, if you would, that, that we're here for a purpose, that, that the Spirit of God is working in us to change us, but it doesn't stop with us. At, at some point then, it becomes about others uh, and how we impact them. And in the Beatitudes, it talks about that as children of God, um, we're to be peacemakers. Peacemakers. Now, this peace that I'm talking about might be different than what you expect. And um, what we're going to be talking about is a peace that, that happens when we're reconciled to God. So that's point number one. The message of reconciliation is what we're given in this process. And to be reconciled to God means to be at peace with God. Second Corinthians 5, 18 and 19 says this. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. The message of reconciliation is the good news. It's the gospel. It's the truth. All of us have sinned, and God made a way for us in Christ to be reconciled to him. The, the sin that all of us committed had put a wedge between us, a, a, a distance between us and a perfect and holy God. And God sent Christ into the world to take our sin, that that gap could be closed by Christ and that we could be reconciled to Him. Christ died for our sins. He was buried on the third day. He rose again. We've talked about that. That's the good news. Um, that was witnessed by hundreds of people. And uh, in that process, his perfect sinless life was exchanged for ours. He paid for our sins so that now we can be reconciled to God, which means we can be at peace with God. We don't have to run around any longer because of Christ worrying about our sins, keeping us distant from God. Because of what Jesus has done, we can have peace with God. We can be reconciled. And, and so this peace that comes from accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior is ours. And the message of that happening has been given to us as well. We're to tell other people this message so that they can be reconciled to God as well. That's our mission. That's our purpose. That's why we're here. It's why we don't get zapped up to heaven. The church exists for this, to let other people know about the love of God. I don't know if you've ever thought about this or not, but the church exists for people who really oftentimes don't like us very much and would rather that we didn't exist. You ever think about that? That's who the church is really here for. Now, uh, I just heard a study that 85% of Christendom believes that the church is here to build up people in the church, and it's not. It's a, it's a, that's a byproduct. We're to equip the saints in order to do this. That's what it's all about. Because once you're in, and you, you're in forever, you've got what you need in Christ. The rest of it's just tune up until Jesus comes back, basically. I'm kind of cutting to the short part of that. But the, the idea is the church exists in order to bring people into relationship with God. And so our, our primary, think about that, our, the people we're here to bless uh, are people who often don't like us at all, and as I said, would rather we didn't exist because we're messing them up at some level, that we're being here bothers them. Because they can't just then go and do everything they want because there's, there's this little balance in the works. So that, to me that's fascinating. I think about that all the time. That we're here for people who, who really don't like us all that much. Yet. But we want them to. Well, we don't care. We want them to like him. And then they'll like us sort of as a byproduct. Some of them. Some of them won't. 
shockingly, some of them won't, and that's okay. So um, we're here, and this is point number two then, as his ambassadors. We're here as ambassadors. When you come to Christ, you become a citizen of heaven, and, and your, your job description then is you're an ambassador to people who don't yet um, have that citizenship that you have in Christ. And so we're, we're basically a reflection of the kingdom of God here in the world. Second Corinthians 5.20, we're therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God uses us to be reconcilers, to share this message of what he's want, to, to remind them of what it's all about, to ta- tell them why Jesus came, to, to be a people that, that know the story and share it, that know what the good news means and share it with others so that they can be reconciled to God as well. He's using us to implore others to become reconciled to God, to be at peace with God. And so as his children, we're to love people the way that God does so that they can come to know him and be at peace with him. Luke 2.14, we read it. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. So what's that all about? Well, the third thing is this. We try to persuade people. That's what our mission looks like. We're, we're to be persuading people that, that they need to know and be reconciled and be at peace with God. And here's where... It gets a little different because this is not just words. In fact, words are kind of the last thing you get to use. The way that you do this in this culture that we live in today is that you have to live a life in front of people that reflects the one that you love and serve. And this isn't a kind of life that where it makes us, you know, all standoffish or anything. It's a life of love. It's a life that cares about others. It's a life that steps outside ourselves. It's a, it's a life that. Um, uh, realizes the importance of our mission and begins to live it in this process. It starts to get, hey, it's not all about me. And, and in reality, the church isn't really even, you know, it's, it's about being uh, reconcilers so that other people can come to know God because that's what it's all about. And so we have to live um, this sort of uh, message in, in, a, in a culture, and this message that we live is very counterculture. So how do we do it? I have two quick little ideas for you to think about this week in being ambassadors, in, in being uh, people that, that live out the attitude of peace in the world. And it's, um, uh, it may not be, you know, that we just walk around looking peaceful, all right? Now, I've, I've told you earlier, at some level... There's a gentleness that we should be expressing that kind of settles people down. But this is what I think it looks like to be peacemakers in the world. Point number four. We have to stop being so critical. We just have to stop being critical people. Um, Philippians 2.3 Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. That's a really tough verse if you try and practice it. In humility, consider others better than yourself. That doesn't mean that we treat people like they're superior to us. It means that we treat them as worthy as respect. Because, see, this, this thing that we are in is bigger than us. And uh, this, this kingdom of God is far bigger than us. And we're here as ambassadors telling people about how cool it is to be his kids. And, and so we, we need to come at it from a place 
where we're not so critical. Unfortunately, and we talk about this, the church is usually extremely critical of anybody it thinks doesn't, they don't agree with. And, and uh, we, we miss out on opportunities to love them into the kingdom, which is how we get them in. I, I, don't, I know some people scare people into the kingdom, and that's okay. If that works, I guess that's fine. But I don't think it works very well, personally. The, the, the only thing that I see that works well is loving people into relationship with God, and then God and the Holy Spirit, as they work in, in combination, in tandem in, in people, you know, the, the whole Trinity working in people, um, people begin to change. And so um, they, they don't get changed because we point fingers at them and tell them how bad they are. That doesn't work. We love them into relationship with God, and then God begins to work in their lives. That's what happened with me. I don't know about you, but, but you know, I was highly unlovable, I think. Um, not that, not, anyway, <laughs> and now I'm extremely lovable, as you all know. And that's all because of Jesus. Sorry, sometimes I don't know where I'm going. Um, but the point is, apart from Jesus, there was nothing lovable and, and in Christ there is. And so we have to remember that as we deal with other people. And, and where I was at, it would have been easy for a lot of people to be very critical with me. Uh, and yet there was you know, some people who decided to love me and that loved me right into the kingdom. So... We need to remember that. James 4, 11 and 12. Brothers, don't slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you're not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who's able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? And here's the deal. Anytime that we get judgmental and critical, we are, in effect, considering ourselves superior to other people, and at some level we're playing God. And uh, I'm sure we don't mean to do that, but that's what it feels like and that's what it looks like. And it's really hard for us to know what other people are going through, um, why they've arrived at the decisions they've arrived at, why they're living the way that they're living at. We don't know oftentimes their background and their story. And when we just decide to jump in there and be critical because it doesn't match our own, in effect, we're playing God and we're, we're just told in the Scripture not to. Sometimes... The root of that is that being critical of others makes us feel better about ourselves, but it's illegitimate, and it's not where you're to get it from. Um, you know, we're all a mess, and you can't build yourself up by tearing people down. Whatever worth that you have comes from your relationship with him, which is more than enough. Um, and he loves you where you're at, and, and knowing that then can settle you in this process. I love this quote from Dale Carnegie. It's one of my favorites. You'll like it too. Any fool can criticize, condemn, and complain. And most fools do. Isn't that great? So, last point. Point five. Let's work on being considerate. Let's work on being considerate. Philippians 2.4 Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Um, we're, we need to make an effort to be a considerate people, to get past all of our own stuff and really think about uh, the interests of other people. And I think it's just a great time of year to work on this, um, to, to really think about being considerate and to get ourselves out of sort of first place and into a spot where we can make a difference. Um, let's care about the people we're in relationship with. A lot of you are already in that process. You know, you're thinking about how you can make the holiday special or something. Good, let's keep that going. 
let's let's take that in because it's more than about gifts. It's about how we treat people and and how we care about people. Um, let's really one of the things we can do is really try and listen a little better to people and what they're going through, even the people in relationship. Let's really try and uh, hear uh, what's going on. Let's um, let's work really hard on not engaging in gossip. We talk about that, but it is always good to talk about that again. Don't do it. Um, just it's it's so uh, has so many bad repercussions. Um, let's let's really work on thinking the best about people instead of immediately assuming the worst. That's a big step. Very considerate though when you do it. Let's really really make that sort of the first thing we do. Uh, let's encourage one another. We talk about that all the time, but let's make that a, a point. Let's really work on that together. And as we do those things, we live as the sons and daughters of God, showing people the way to be reconciled to God in Christ, to be at peace with God. Luke 2.14 again, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to men, on whom His favor rests. We're here to help people get reconciled to God. And let's remember that as we move through this season, we think about Jesus coming, and Jesus coming back again, and what He's called us to do in the process. Amen? Amen. If you're watching uh, by uh, television or on the, the internet, thank you so much for spending this time with us. We know how valuable your time is. We appreciate it. And if uh, you need prayer or anything, you can go to our website and you can uh, send us a prayer request and we'd be happy to pray for you. You can call us and uh, you can leave it on there and we'll be praying for you. But uh, thank you so much for spending this time with you, with us, with you, with us. That's the cold talking. <laughs> Just there at the end. I was fine all during the message, I promise. Um, Thank you for spending this time with us. We've we've had uh, fun being with you as well.